Welcome to Tribes Podcast. Thank you for making this message a part of your week. If you're ever in Jackson Hole, we would love for you to visit our tribe family. We meet on Sundays at the Snow King Conference Center. And if you'd like to know more about us, you can find us online or on Facebook by searching tribejh.com. This morning, I want to take a little bit of time. I want to read a story to you from the Bible. This story might be new to some of you, but for many of you, you've heard this story before. It's in the book of Luke. So you can pull it up in your phone, or if you have your Bible with you this morning, we'll pull out our Bibles, and we're going to look in the book of Luke, chapter 24. I'll give you a second for that page to load. Luke, chapter 24. And while we're reading in Luke chapter 24, let's see, where do I want to start? Oh, this is great. I want to start in verse 17. So here's what's happened to lead up to this moment. Jesus has lived about 33 years of his life. Three of those years are really recorded in the Gospels. That's when he was like hard charging. He did all kinds of amazing things to prove that he was the Messiah, the son of God. And the reason why he came to earth was to live a sinless life and to pay the the penalty, the price for our sin. He was falsely accused by religious leaders. He was crucified by Roman centurion officers And he was in the grave three days. But y'all, let me tell you something. That grave couldn't hold him down. On the third day, this morning, he rose from the grave. When his disciples were going through this experience, they were completely bewildered. They had no idea what was going on. They saw a man that laid his life down for them, a man that they loved, a man that they respected. They followed his leadership, and then boom, like that, he was dead and gone. They were bewildered. And here's where the story picks up. Two disciples are walking from Jerusalem. They're just leaving town. And here's what happens. Jesus appears to these two disciples, and he begins a conversation with them. Starting in verse 17, he says, he asked them, What are you discussing so intently as you walk along? They stopped short, sadness written across their faces. Then one of them, Cleopas, replied, You must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about all these things that have happened here in the last few things. Oh, Jesus is having a little fun with them because he says this. What things? The things that happened to Jesus, the man from Nazareth. They said, listen to, listen to these few statements. He was a prophet who did powerful miracles. He was a mighty teacher in the eyes of God and all the people. But our leading priests and other religious leaders handed him over to be condemned to death, and they crucified. We had hoped that he was the Messiah who had come to rescue Israel. All of this happened three days ago. Then he goes on to have a conversation with them about the things that they had witnessed, and he talks with them as they walk along the road. And while they are walking along the road, as it gets to be evening time, 
the two disciples invited him to come over to their, to their house for dinner. And here's what Jesus was doing. He was noticing that the disciples had lost their hope. They hadn't really lost it so much as they had misplaced their hope. And I think that in times that we're living right now, it's pretty easy to misplace your hope or to place your hope in the wrong thing. I don't know about you. I don't know about you, but I had placed my hope that the village would be open longer so I could ski more. That didn't work out so well. Well, when they closed the village, I thought I'd at least be able to ski in the park, right, Tom Deltz? I had placed my hope in being able to ski in the park. Well, then Amy Hanna closed that on me. So I can't ski in the park. You know, I think that in times like this, which is a season that I don't think if we were to ask anybody here in this parking lot and anybody watching the live stream, I don't think any of us could recall a time exactly like this. It's a time when our footing has become unstable. The things that we could normally put our hope in have been removed from us. Perhaps you placed your hope in being able to continue working and having hours at your work, only to have that dry up. Maybe somebody here, if not you, then a loved one, you'd put your hope in health. And we've seen how how that's been taken out from us. And something happens to the human heart when your hope evaporates or when your hope gets put in the wrong thing that you thought would last, but it doesn't last. Let me tell you something really quickly about the church. I know that there are people here, a lot of folks are from tribe, a lot of folks are from other churches in this valley, in this community. I've been on a text thread with many of the pastors from churches around the valley this week. We've been supporting one another, praying for one another, talking with one another, praying for you guys. We've talked about how right now during this season where hope seems to be evaporating all around us, that the church is going through a metamorphosis. And let me just say this just for a moment to to tribe and to anybody else that's a part of a, a local church here in this valley. As the nation undergoes a metamorphosis, so is the church in North America. We're going into a metamorphosis where, just like a caterpillar that, that forms that chrysalis, and it appears as though nothing is happening, but on the inside, there is a dramatic transformation that's taking place. So that when we get the all clear from our leaders and we can come back out into the open, and I can't wait for that day to happen because I don't know if anybody's like me, but I'm an extrovert and I need to see people. I need to touch people. I want to go mountain biking with you. I want to give you high fives. And one of these days, we're going to get the all clear to be able to do that again. And what's going to happen to the church? What's going to happen to you as the church when this chrysalis opens up? 
I believe that we're going to see a, a beautiful butterfly of the bride of Christ emerge in a way like we haven't seen her before. For example, once we're all clear to go back to church together again, we will never, ever, ever take for granted when the preacher says, hey, turn around and greet somebody next to you. It's going to mean so much more. The Bible is going to have a deeper meaning to us. Worship and fellowship and communion is going to have such a deeper meaning to us. When we serve and love others and those in our community, it's going to have such a deeper meaning for all of us. How many of you can feel that right now the church and your life and really this whole country is in like a chrysalis going through a metamorphosis? Things are changing. I hear that horn. In a time, in a season where the things that we normally place our hope in have evaporated, I want to share with you just really quickly three things that are a sure bet that you can place your hope in that will never, ever, ever let you down. I got, I, I got something here that I want to show you. A lot of people have placed their hope in things like being able to ski, being able to, to work, making sure that that paycheck comes in. And in this season, those, those things aren't guaranteed at all. But I want to share with you three things that you can take your hope, play, remove it from where your hope has been and place it into something that will never let you down or never fail you. Now I have something, I have something here that I want to show you. Matt Summers and Brad Wolf are going to give me a hard time, but it's all right. They're just jealous. So this is something really special to me. His name is Bray. And uh, I know that not many of you can see him very well, but he's a little stuffed animal. And this is a stuffed animal that was placed in my crib when I was born. How in the world do I still have this? I don't know. But it's in Sayla's stuffed animal collection now. And it's a little wind-up stuffed animal. I don't know if you can hear him. Can you hear Bray? Oh my gosh. He's so precious. So this is like your heart. This represents the hope that we have. It's precious. It needs to be taken care of. It's a source of our life. Many people have placed their hope in things that have failed them recently. And you find yourself without any kind of moorings. You, you're lost just like these two disciples were on the road to Emmaus. They had, they had misplaced their hope. They had a hope that Jesus was going to come to Jerusalem and Chuck Norris, the occupying Roman army. What they didn't realize is that Jesus came to Chuck Norris, the powers of sin, death, hell, and the grave. And so 
if we take our hope and we place our hope in something that is going to last, I want to share with you just, just really quickly. Here's something that you can place your hope in that's never going to let you down. His book right here. Many of you who are in this service today, you have a book. This is your instruction manual for life. You get into it every day. It's a source of wisdom for you. It's a source of strength and comfort, of guidance for you. It's a way to connect with him. This book is where you can place your hope. His book is one place that you can place your hope that will not let you down. You can also place your hope in his promises. Did you know that this book is packed full of promises for your life? Promises for your health, promises for your finances, promises for your future, promises for your mental well-being. This book is packed with promises because it's written by God who created you and who loves you. He loves you so much. He's crazy about you. And this book has his promises in it that you can grab a hold of, that you can hold him to. He said, test my word. You can hold him to these promises. A great place to look in his book for his promises right now during this season is in Psalms 91. I've been gathering with the other pastors of the valley several times over the last couple of weeks. We've taken time to pray through Psalms 91 for you, for our city officials, for our schools, for our business owners, for our healthcare workers, our EMS pro professionals. We pray Psalms 91 over you because Psalms 91 has promises in it for our health, for our safety, for our protection, and that no disease would triumph over our lives. It's one more place that you can place your hope that will never fail you. You can place your hope in his word. You can place your hope in his promises. And you can place your hope in his son, Jesus Christ. Listen. <laughs> Listen to this. Here's what's incredible about his son. His son, Jesus, 2,000 years ago, lived and walked on this earth. He, had a, he was here on a mission. He was here for the salvation of every single person who would receive his message. And here's his message. His message is really simple. You ain't perfect. No matter how good you look, no matter how much money you have, no matter what all is going great in your life, 
There's a thing called God's law and each and every one of us have broken it. In the same way that the law of gravity works, if I were to take something and drop it off of this lift here, the law of gravity would pull it down to the ground. In the same way, God has created a moral law for the universe. And if anybody has ever broken any of one of his laws, he set up the system so he gets to create the consequences. And the consequences for breaking one of his laws is this, eternal forever separation from him whenever our blood pump stops working. But that's not his desire. That's not his heart. His heart is to have closeness, fellowship, intimacy with each and every one of us. God's love is so great for the world that there was a tremendous problem that needed to be solved. How could a holy God embrace the hand of sinful man? It required the most brilliant solution ever thought of in the entire universe. And that solution was for God to send his one and only son to earth to live as a man, Jesus from Nazareth, and then to pay the price so that he would be separated and we could have intimacy and relationship with God through his son, Jesus. And so I know that, look, this is North America. Like, we've all heard the gospel. And as blue as Teton County is, I don't think there's a single person out here in this parking lot that hasn't at least heard the name of Jesus mentioned, has some basic familiarity with this book and the stories in it. We all know who Adam and Eve is and Noah's Ark and Moses, those stories. They're not just children's stories. They're in this book for a purpose, all to guide and lead and point us to the man, Jesus Christ. He is the only one that died for our sins. Your bank account didn't die for your sins. You can't place your hope there. As beautiful and as amazing as these mountains are, you can't put your hope there either. Only in the man, Jesus, can you place your hope? And when you place your hope in him by asking him to forgive you of your sin, washing your heart clean, and then out of thankfulness and gratitude because he laid his life down for you, you lay your life down for him and say, Jesus, you be the boss of my life. And that, when you place your hope there, friends, that's a hope that will never dissolve, that will never crumble, and a hope that will never, ever, ever be quarantined. Okay, let's. Listen to me. I know that there are a lot of friends and family and church, church folks from tribe here. I understand that. I know that. I know that as I look out, even folks from other churches that you're here today, that there's been a moment where you've invited Jesus into your heart and made him the leader of your life. But maybe, maybe somebody listening on the radio this morning or watching this Facebook live stream, maybe you have found yourself that the place where you had put your hope 
just ain't doing it anymore. And right now, even though you're in your car and there's this distance thing, you can feel God's Holy Spirit working on your heart, knocking at the door of your heart, inviting you to surrender your life to him and to take your hope out of whatever it was in and to place it into a relationship with Jesus so that that thing that is most precious, your heart can be transferred into a relationship with Jesus so that you can know no matter what happens, not only will you not, not only will you have hope that has endurance, but you're guaranteed a brand new life. You're guaranteed that even someday when your blood pump stops working, that you get to be in heaven with him forever, y'all. And so here's what I want to do. I, I wish I wish that I could just see all of your faces, but I just see beautiful windshields instead. But here's what I want to do. I want to I lead you in a prayer this morning. And for some of you, maybe you've, you've said this prayer of salvation years ago and you've walked away from the Lord and you've realized that you've placed your hope in something other than a relationship with Jesus and you want to come back to him today. I want to lead you in that prayer. Maybe somebody here, even way in that back row, you've never invited Jesus into your heart. Well, today I want to lead you in a prayer that you can invite Jesus into your heart, into your heart so that you can have a living hope. So would you close your eyes? And I want to pray. Jesus, none of the circumstances surrounding these events have surprised you. You weren't caught off guard. You didn't see this creep up on the horizon and think, oh no, I don't have enough masks or ventilators. Whoops. None of this surprised you. But I also know that you are good. I know that when we place our hope in you, Jesus, that there isn't anything that can take that away. Father, I want to pray for my brothers and sisters who are gathered here today in their vehicles. And I just ask that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would just slip into each and every vehicle and that you would touch every single heart, grown-ups' hearts, grandparents' hearts, little ones' hearts, and that you would reveal yourself to each and every person in a powerful and dramatic way, Lord. God, maybe there's somebody here that's like, I haven't been doing a whole lot of working, but God, I've been doing a whole lot of drinking. And I just regret that so much. It just breaks your heart, Lord. And, and I know better. Lord, would you just draw close to that heart? And all you have to do is just ask him to forgive you. Just say, Lord, I'm sorry. Please forgive me for breaking your laws. I ask that you would forgive me. Wash my heart clean. 
And then maybe somebody here this morning that they've, they've never taken their heart and placed it into the hands of Jesus to receive salvation for the very first time. Well, the way that that works is you simply, you simply pray and you say, Lord, here I am in a car listening to some guy in a bright green shirt standing up on a lift yelling in a parking lot. You know my life. You know that I've broken your laws. You know that I'm worthy of the punishment, which is eternal forever separation from you. But I ask that you would forgive me of my sin. Give me a brand new heart. And in the best way that I know how, I commit my whole life to following you, Jesus. And from this moment on, as I pull out in this parking lot, I'm going to do my best to press into you. I'm going to grab a hold of your book that has your word in it. I'm going to grab a hold of your promises. I'm going to grab a hold of your son. And so now, if you're praying that prayer to invite Jesus back into your heart to rededicate your life, or maybe... Maybe somebody here is inviting Jesus into their heart for the very first time. Why don't you take just a moment and in the stillness and in the privacy of your car, you just pray, okay? You just pray right now. Take a moment. You just talk to him. sophomore in high school gave me a brand new life. It didn't mean that things got easier. It didn't mean that automatically everything was better. But what I had after that moment was a living hope. And I thank you for giving me that living hope. I thank you for giving people in these cars living hope. I thank you, Father, for people that rededicated their lives to you. And I thank you for people that invited you into their heart for the very first time. I have no idea how I'm going to know, but I just find that out in heaven. Oh, yeah. Oh, I got all these ideas coming at me. Hey, what's the, what's the phone number? Okay. Let me do this. Uh, we're going to sing another song. We're just about done here. Um, but if, if, you in, if you invited Jesus into your heart for the very first time, or you rededicated your life to the Lord, we have a phone set up for you to send a text message to and members or, and or a prayer request that you can text. But the phone number is 307-217-8813. It's just right here. See? 307-217-8813. Eight eight one three. If you invited Jesus into your heart for the very first time, send us a text message. If you have a prayer request, 
either today during this service or anytime, you can send us a text message and this will get to our teams that will then put it in the right hands of people that can love on you uh, and help you out and respond appropriately. One more time for that phone number and then I'm gonna invite Lissa to sing and let's join our voice together in celebrating Jesus, the risen Savior, our living hope. The number is 307-217-8813.